Hello and welcome to the special Dry Bones Ministries podcast series, Reflections on the Screwtape Letters. I'm Father Adam Potter, and today we reflect on the 15th letter. It's all about the past, the present, the future, and eternity. Uh, before we get started, I just want to let you know I've been grateful for even more feedback on um, from some of you on working through the different letters of the book. And a number of you mentioned, actually together, that there is a free audio version available on YouTube by Don Cleese. He said uh, he does a reading of each letter, and so there's a separate video for each letter, and it's very helpful just in the way that he reads, enunciates, emphasizes, and also has a great British accent, which is uh, helpful in being able to be a little bit more in touch with C.S. Lewis's writing style. I did note that, unfortunately, it doesn't look like there's a 16th letter, but the 15th letter, I will attach a link to that video in the show notes for this podcast. So, let's dive into this 16th, uh, sorry, the 15th letter, where we have Screwtape commenting on the interesting fact that there is a lull now in this great world war. And to take advantage of this, he's going to have to emphasize the, um, the future or the past, but definitely not the present or eternity. So if you're ready, um, this will get kind of philosophical, diving into time. What is time all about? St. Augustine was the one who famously said, oh, yeah, 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 I know what time is until you ask me to define it. Right. If I have to define time, what what is time? I don't know. We we talk about time as being a measure of change that a person or a subject goes through, and yet to be able to really nail down, but a measure from when to when, we have to be like self-referential to time. So we know that time is a thing that there is an elapsing of this thing that we experience as as this now now um but even that starts to get confusing too in terms of gosh time is slippery right as soon as i'm thinking about this present moment it's gone and it's past and and maybe if i'm smart i try and think about anticipating the present moment that's coming 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 and then before i can even say ah it's here it's already gone and so yeah Time is this really slippery thing, and, and how do we really appreciate who we are in relation to this ever-changing reality around us, and to be able to measure it, and to know where are we supposed to be? Because as rational creatures, right, we can be in so many different... Have you ever thought about how hard it is sometimes just to be pre- in the present moment? Um, it's really hard. It's so easy to be all these other places or still thinking about what happened in my last meeting or my last interaction or this last text that just came or this last news story that I just saw. We're thinking about the past, thinking about the past, but maybe then we're projecting it into what that means for the future. And right now we just see that, gosh, so many in the media are emphasizing incredible fear and anxiety to draw us into worrying about the future, what's going to come. And this is really crazy, right? Because it has 
fear sells, right? Fear, anxiety, it sells. It, it is its own currency. So the more that the media can get us anxious and worried, they know that they have us because we'll keep going back. It's kind of a, a primal instinct to want to fix it and control it and to know what's going on. And so if the media can keep us fearful, keep us anxious, then they can have this control over us and keep feeding us different narratives or different ideas or different, here's how you, how you need to respond. This is what you need to do. And meanwhile, we're missing something that's so key that even screw tape will acknowledge. So how do we get here? Gosh, it's the change in circumstance, right? The first paragraph just talks about how Wormwood's patient is going into this change, this transition from a time of war and in intensity to now this lull. And I think that's important just to emphasize this context because transitions in life can be really monumentous, monumental for us. And how do we react? How do we respond? We can thrive in stability whenever our, our contacts or our jobs or our relationships stay the same. But as soon as a significant piece is taken away or changed, all of a sudden we need to change and react. And so what do we do in those moments? How do we keep ourselves um, from being anxious or fearful about the future? I think these are very relevant questions, especially for most of us and what we're going through today. So here's where we dive into the, the tactics, right into our second paragraph, where we see very clearly the screw tape offers an insight that God wants us to focus on two things clearly, eternity and the present. For as he says, the present is the point at which time touches eternity. That is a line worth highlighting and starring. The present is the point at which time touches eternity. Why? Well, because God is. He is perfect, immutable, or unchangeable. He's omnipresent. He is eternal. We can't even talk about God being eternal without talking about it being an absence of time. He's outside of time. But that means that because he's outside of time, that God is also equally present to all time. Think about that. God is equally as present to you when you were born as you will be when you die. These moments are not different to him. He sees them all perfectly and simultaneously. We, on the other hand, have a different relationship to time. We can only be at one point in time. Even at that, as I've mentioned, it's hard enough for us to just be present. But in this present now, we come to the place where God is present. That God is present to us right here, right now. And so to be able to appreciate that is this convergence of my present time, my experience of time flowing through. And if I'm present right here, then I'm present to God. Because to be is to be with God who is. Does that make sense? Like what a game changer to actually appreciate that I can always tap into eternity 
just by being present to myself, to the person in front of me or to what's going on in my brain or in my heart. Um, that is glorious. I hope we take that to prayer and just, oh man, that is prayer. Just, just to be present. Present. The present is the point at which time touches eternity. So why does God want us to attend to the present into eternity? Well, I think he really wants us to be present to the present. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to say this throughout the whole podcast. He wants us to be present to the present because that is the only time that I can have any influence over. The past is over and gone. I can't change it. And the future is undetermined. The present is a time that I can find freedom and actuality, says Screwtape. Freedom and actuality. Because the present is also the time where I can find God. And since God eternally is, then for me to look for him in the past is pointless or to the future is vain. But that God is in the present moment. Yeah, now all of a sudden the present touches eternity. And why does he want us to be present to eternity? Well, to be concerned with eternity is to be concerned with God and to be concerned with how what we do in this present moment affects our eternal destiny. So, of course, God would want us to think about that. Have you thought about the Hail Mary prayer before? It's this great, it concludes with these great two moments, most important moments of our life. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, now, and at the hour of our death. Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. And at that hour of our death, I've, that to me is thinking about eternity, those eternal consequences of how we live between now and our last breath. Okay, in the third paragraph, we find that screw tape adv- advises to get the patient out of the present and eternal, of course, because that's where God is. And I found it interesting that the only two options remaining are the past and the future. And out of these two, the future is preferable. Why? Well, he says the past resembles eternity in its realness. It's concrete. It's determinate. Nature makes it um, real and not like the future, right? Because the future is least like eternity in the way that it's uncertain and indeterminate. And this is where the future can create a hope and fear that can easily go into unreality. Think about it. Have you ever hoped for for something or feared something that wasn't even real? I think we talked about this in a a previous letter. I think it was chapter 6 where the evil one, you know, again, it was getting them to focus on what could happen to them. And then spending so much time in anxious, worry, concern, fear about something that wasn't even possible. This is where creative evolution, scientific humanism, and communist, communism all promise this future prosperity. Right? If only we can get 
creation to evolve to this certain point or scientific humanism. It's this focus on the human person as being the center of the whole world. And if we can use science to develop him such that he can never get old and never grow weary or have this infinite intellect or communism, right? It promises this perfect world, this utopia that as long as we um, get to these factors, we will have economic and material prosperity. It's all in this future, right? It's not even real, but to propose it gets us out of, out of the present moment and into the future. And that is where the evil one loves to take advantage of us. Uh, yes. Okay. Here. I thought it was interesting. Nearly all the vices look ahead. I've never thought about this. Nearly all the vices, virtues um, often look to the present or even behind. Think about gratitude. If I think back about what happened or the way this person impacted me, I can be grateful for it. That's a virtue. But oftentimes the vices look ahead. Fear, greed or avarice, lust and ambition. Thinking about, oh, if, I could, if only I could get more money, then I'd be in this better place. If only I could get more success or more popularity, then all of a sudden my life would be better. Have you ever noticed that the people who are incredibly popular or come into all this fame are instantly miserable? <laughs> like we know these stories so often and yet it's still from our place being an unreality, not in the present of like what's real, but in this future of like, oh, if I could only get this place or this money or this relationship, then everything, it's like, nope, nope. But sometimes it's easier to be in a fantasy than in reality. But we'll talk about that coming up. What does Jesus invite us to? Trust, deep trust, deep trust. That, uh, just to quote one of my favorite passages In all of scripture, this is Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. I may or may not read the whole thing. We'll see. Hopefully you know it. Um, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, And all these things shall be yours as well. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day.
Thank you, Jesus. May those words continue to find a place in our own hearts. May that be the antiphon of our hearts, trusting in you to not be anxious whenever we allow you to have your way. Okay, we're moving through. Sorry, it's a, a longer commentary, but a lot here to unpack. Can we look to the fourth paragraph? We see that God does want man to look to the future too, but just so much as is necessary for now, planning the acts of justice or charity, which will probably be their duty tomorrow. So this is really interesting, right? That he talks about the ideal man as one who isn't afraid to work hard for this day and what will come for tomorrow. That this, right, to be in the present doesn't mean that I throw tomorrow away. I'm not even going to worry. I'm not going to plan or I'm not going to save or anything like that. That's not it. But the ideal man can work hard even for a prosperity in the future, but he's detached from it. At the end of the day, he washes his mind of the whole subject, commits the issue to heaven, and returns at once to the patience or grant or gratitude demanded by the moment that is passing over him. Isn't that good, right? So not to dismiss the future. No, we can live in the future, but in a way that's detached and focused on commending it to God's providence and then reasserting herself to the gratitude and the patience and the trust of being in the present moment. Contrast that to what the evil one wants. He wants a man hag-ridden by the future, right? Haunted by these visions of an imminent heaven or hell upon earth. That he's ready to break the enemy's commands. So breaking God's commands in the present. If by doing so we make him think that he can attain the one or avert the other. Right? So avoiding, avoiding heaven or avoiding hell independent for his faith on the success or failure of schemes whose end he will not live to see. Gosh, does this ring a bell at all? I was thinking about um, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells the parable about, it's in Luke chapter 12, the parable about, about the man who um, stores up all this grain, right? He has this surplus of a harvest and he needs to build another so- silo to be able to store all of his grain. And because he thinks, um, uh, he thinks, yes, this is it. I will have everything that I need and I can eat, drink, and be merry. And here God calls calls upon his life that day, that very day. Here he was just thinking about avoiding heaven or hell or, or those questions by by storing up for himself all these earthly treasures and he missed he missed it to really allow himself to be firmly planted in the present and in eternity okay can we move on to paragraph five we see a very helpful insight into a right way to live in the present and a wrong way to live in the present First, the wrong way to live in the present is to live in a way that's detached from the reality of what the future may hold. The example given is one who has persuaded himself that everything will be good. It's all good. It's all good. It's going to be great. Nope, no problems at all. But that he only says that 
because it's agreeable and convenient and comfortable for them. It's a kind of intentional ignorance or just wishful thinking. It's certainly not grounded in the trust that Jesus calls us to. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's phrases like, oh, it's all going to be good. When maybe it's not. It's the person who just puts their head down and ignores whatever's coming. That's dangerous. That would be the wrong way to live in the present. The right way? The right way to live in the present is to be in touch with what potential horrors are around the corner. Maybe it is bad. Maybe tomorrow I have a really tough conversation or a really tough meeting or a lot of uncertainty. And it's not to ignore it. No, no, it's all going to be fine. It's like, maybe it's not. But then I bring that data of what tomorrow may hold into the present so that I can then pray for God to be with me and to give me the corresponding virtues that I need. So there in the present is where we need to be while still engaging in the reality of what I may find in the future. Also that I can bring it to the present where I can find all duty, all grace, all knowledge, and even all pleasure. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. That's it. To join God in the present moment, taking on the yoke and the burden with the Lord. And it's there that it's sweet, even pleasurable to journey with the Lord. Not just in this life so that we can be with him forever in the next. Friends, God bless you. Let's pray for God's protection to be able to live this way in the eternal now and also while keeping our feet firmly planted in a way that looks to the future, trusting it to his providence and looking back to the past and entrusting it to God's mercy. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, a prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the special podcast series, Reflections on the Screwtape Letters. If you'd like to support the work of Drybones Ministries, please visit drybonespgh.org so good to be with you friends i look forward to being with you again next time let's keep each other in prayer and god bless you